Hey, uh, if you don't think you ever have to start over, then you're playing it wrong. Ah, oh, welcome to episode 20 of Playing It Wrong, and I played around with some Audacity settings, and hopefully this will sound a bit better. Who knows? I know the last couple have sounded pretty bad, so maybe I'll get this right. So, it's a new month, a new beginning, so I'm going to change up some of the uh, format of the podcast a little bit. Um, so, just hang on and enjoy the ride. First off, let's start off with the session summary. Oh, crap, I might as well play around with some of those effects anyway. Alright, this last week was the Labyrinth Lord game I'm running, which I'm slowly evolving into sort of a BX Essentials, I'm sorry, Old School Essentials game. At least I'm using a lot of the references for it. But I had a little quandary at the beginning. We're doing Keep on the Borderlands, and the new players aren't quite used to the idea of a hex crawl where it's, yeah, just go wherever you want to. They kind of, they want, they want the adventure hooks. So I threw them out adventure hooks, which had nothing to do with Keep on the Borderlands. They keep avoiding the Caves of Chaos, which kicked their ass when they were at first level. And they avoided the Swamp, which, well, their ass got kicked in a dungeon that I made. But... They went for two little adventure hooks. One was that uh, a farmer was having their cows eaten and killed by something, so they're going to go with that. And there was uh, some other news of monsters rampaging, and further off in the distance, a whole village seemed to... There was an explosion or something there, and some smoke came from the village, and they wanted to go check that out. So they slowly worked their way out. So they made it to... First, of course, was the, uh, which was it? Oh, it was the uh, farm that was being attacked. And guess what? They were, of course, were too late, but they have a chance to fight some ogres. Yes, and I, I hillbillied up those ogres. Have you ever played Rise of the Rune Lords? There's the hillbilly ogres. Yeah, I did my best. We had Jeff Roger and Jim Bob Ogre, Mama Ogre, and Uncle Daddy Ogre. It was a tough fight, but the party made it through, and there was lots of laughing with the hillbilly ogres making lines. And um, the fortunate thing was we have a, one of the party members now is a half-orc fighter thief. And he went to sneak ahead. He failed to sneak. But then again, I figured, he's a half-orc. They're ogres. So he should easily be able to talk his way out of this, which they did. They invited him in for some farmer stew, which was not stew made by farmers, but stew made from the previous farmers. Um, things went crazy, lots of stabbing, stabbing, stabbing. They barely made it, but they made it. Now, the odd thing is, is they just fought four ogres, no problem. Previously, on the other hand, they had a random encounter with four giant ants, which kicked their freaking ass. I don't know why. Roll of the dice? Who knows? But they survived the encounter with the hillbilly ogres, and were a bit disgusted. Oh, and by the way, just shouting out to Eric Tenkar and Joe the Lawyer, I stuck in rot grubs, and the party totally avoided them. They saw them and, like, didn't really play. They, were, they just ran away. They fought ogres, and they ran away from little tiny worms. All right, moving on, they moved on to go straight towards the other farm that was in need. Something was killing their cows. These guys are third and fourth level, and they're still working for farmers on stuff that's killing livestock. But there's something that's killing their cows, but I was prepared. Of course, all right. I have to do one disclaimer. We are using the class compendium uh, written by James Spawn for, well, some classes. And I allowed one player to play a dragon. He decides, of course, that he's going to fly ahead, land on the barn roof, 
and start barking like a dog. I have no idea why, but he did. Anyway, the farmer's usual reaction to such a thing, actually the farmer's wife's reaction was, grab a crossbow and shoot at the crazy dragon. Like, of course, they were astounded. Like, are all the farmers armed? It's like, there's monsters. Of course the farmers are armed. They suck at fighting, but they're armed. Anyway, she misses. They calm her down. They talk. They figure out something is coming and killing killing cows, which they, they did previously help another farmer who had something killing his sheep. That turned out to be Sturges. So they come up with a brilliant plan because remember, I said, there's a dragon in the party. So the party's brilliant plan is that night, as bait to attract whatever is killing the cows, they decide they're going to disguise the dragon as a cow. Yeah, I did a long pause there to let that sink in. Yes, a dragon disguised as a cow. I figure what the heck. But they blow rolls, and the owlbear does manage to sneak up on the dragon disguised as a cow. The dice were hot. We have the claw, claw, hug, bite. Dragon is pretty much foobard. Um, and the fight goes really tough for them. And, yes, I have a puppy trying to crawl on my lap. It's okay, little girl. It's okay. And that is far as they got that evening, which will lead us off to next week where the hay are going off to investigate the boom and the smoke and the small village that's off the just off the edge of the map because, well, it's not part of Keep on the Borderlands, but it is a handy part of the Patreon by Tim Shorts, a.k.a. Gothridge Banner, because it's a neat little adventure you just threw out there. So no spoilers in case you happen to be thinking of running it for your group, and I'm not going to tell you about it, but until after they <coughs> probably face their dooms. But there's a lot of monkey business going on. <laughs> Get it? Monkey business? Alright, inside joke. Uh, like I said earlier in this episode, I had a really neat idea for this episode, and I wrote it down somewhere, but I don't remember what I wrote down, where I wrote it down, or what I was going to talk about. So that means I am going to talk about something else entirely, which is New Beginnings. Because you have to change things up. I, I'm changing the format of the podcast a little bit. I want to try to reach more people, maybe. At least have more people complain about stupid things I say or how bad the podcast is. And keep things fresh on the gaming table. So this is how this is related. This is how it relates to you. You know, I talked about crossing genres. You know what? Change up rule systems and change genres. Keep things fresh at the table. That's why in the back of my head, we're, we're playing right now. I'm doing Labyrinth Lord, and the other Game Master is running 5e. That's why after we're done with these, we're going to do something else. Some other system besides old D&D or current D&D. He wants to do Scion. I want to do Dark Streets and Darker Secrets. But they're a little close, so we may... It may be something else that I come up with, but I've got lots of things in my back pocket. Also, I want to talk about new, new, uh, new beginnings and keeping things fresh. I realize that I really haven't done a lot on my standard D&D world Zoom, which I've got some stuff on the blog about. And some of the stuff I put on the blog, I'm not even following. So I need to go back, reorganize, rewrite, re-revitalize it. Because yeah, after a while, playing with the same setting and the same system, I admit, I get bored. And sometimes the most fascinating campaign or game is the next one. And, you know, a lot of people can do these long campaigns. We used to do these long campaigns. Just not so much anymore. I don't know why it's just turned out that way. So that's kind of where I am right now. Um, repolishing the good old D&D &D world. 
trying to switch up some game systems, keep things fresh, keep things fun. It's not that we're not having fun, but there's so many damn games out there. It's like, oh, God, I want to play that. Oh, I want to play that. And just making the time. So you just got to make the time by either shortening campaigns or, well, well, that's the best way, shortening campaigns or switching up a lot. You know, I'd rather, you know, do a standard campaign for a few months and then switch something else up and then switch back. Because it's like, I'm looking at my shelf. I've got games I still haven't played yet that I'd really love to run campaigns on. And I've got games that were like, wow, that was cool when I got it, but something else cooler came out in the meantime. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, stuff like that happens. I've gotten games that are like, wow, this is supposed to be cool, this is supposed to be cool. Oh, not so much. So, you know, that shit happens. And the good thing about switching up games, it makes you a better player in GM for other games because you always learn something. And as a final bit of philosophy on this, I'd like to say you don't eat pizza every day. So you don't have to play the same game every day. All right? There we go. Calm. Keep the dice rolling. And now we're going to read from the Little Brown Books. So, where are we at in the little brown books? Well, let's see. We are still on Volume 2, Monsters and Treasure, and we are on Griffins. If with luck, we might get through the monsters today. Really, we might. No, now we're not. Anyway, Griffins. Um, they're really prized as steeds. They're swift, loyal, and fierce. How are they like eating horses? So you really can't be mixed together. In the wild, griffins will attack anyone nearby with little provocation, particularly if their lair is nearby. So, whatever. Invisible stalkers. As noted... As... Blah. I'm reading this and doing it off the cuff. People get over it. As previously noted, Volume 1, these monsters are created by a level 6 spell. <clears throat> Faultless trackers follow continually until their mission is accomplished, at which time they return to the non-dimensional form once they came. Until their mission is completed, they will never vary and must be destroyed by attack. Until their mission is completed, they will never vary and must be destroyed by attack to be stopped, although a dispel magic spell will also work. It's hard to read sentences that aren't kind of coherent, but anyway. Um, let's see. Uh... However, that invisible stalkers resent missions which entail long periods of continuing service, such as guarding a magic user for a month, a year, etc. They will then seek to fulfill the letter of the duties and pervert the spirit. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, kind of the wish spells. Elementals! There are four types of elementals. You should know this by now if you've been playing any of these games for fun. Air, earth, wind, fire. And I think they were banned in the 60s or 70s. I don't know. Um, and they're going to talk about each of them separately. Um, conjured elementals are 16 hit dice, device elementals are 12, and staff elementals are 8 hit dice. I mean, I think they mean staff as conjured from a staff, not necessarily, hey, hi, I'm Floyd, I'm your customer service elemental. Anyway, <coughs> anyway, regardless of the strength, only one of each type can be brought into existence during any day. Thus, if a character possesses a device called arrow, blah, 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 blah. Only magical weapons and attacks affect elementals. And we go through the elemental powers, which really haven't changed that much. You know, air elementals, whirlwind, hurl things around, hurl characters around. Earth elementals, well, they they pound stuff. Um, act as battering rams, really bad for castles. Fire elementals, well, they burn stuff, but they cannot cross water. They are brought forth from flame of considerable heat, blah, blah, blah. Water elementals, they will drown your ass. 
are, I'm sorry, they're only generally confined to water, being able to move only six inches from such a body of liquid, or like 60 feet, I think. Uh, they move fast and blah, blah, blah. In the water, they do damage equal to two dice while out of the water, but one die of damage when mailing. Uh, so, um, all elementals must be controlled at all times by the persons who have called them forth. Failure to control any elemental will result in its turning upon the one who called it called it up and attacking. So, yeah, it's just like a lot of things. If you don't summon anything bigger than your head. No elemental may be hit by normal men unless magically armed. Good, I'm playing a female character. I can hit them. Then we go to Jin. Jin, the infamous genies. Uh, we got there. And, well, you know, they're pretty much, uh, you know, now they're genies. Um, let's see, what do they got here? They fight as giants. Um, they carry 6,000 gold pieces in weight, walking or flying. They can create food, which is nutritionally sound. Doesn't say it tastes good. Uh, they can create drinkable beverages. They can create soft goods and wooden objects of permanence, but metallic items last for only a short time when created by them. Um, create illusions which remain until dispelled by touch or magic, so they need not concentrate upon the illusions to maintain them. They can form a whirlwind, blah, 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 blah. Efreet, these creatures are similar to genie, but their basis is fire and they tend to be chaotic. Their fabled land is the City of Brass. There it is, eh? City of Brass. They are enemies to the Jinn. The Efreet are otherwise like Jinn, with damage scored equal to that done by a giant. And they can carry 10,000 gold pieces. In addition, they can create a wall of fire, and they can become incendiaries. They will serve for 1,001 days. And what do we have up next? We have Okra Jelly. Not Okra as in, well, if you're from the south, you know what Okra is, but this is the color. The cleanup crew includes Okra Jelly and similar weird monsters. Okra Jelly is a giant amoeba which can be killed by fire or cold, but hits by weaponry or lightning bolts will merely make it, make them into several smaller okra jellies. Okra jelly does not affect stone or metal, but it does destroy wood, and it causes one die of damage per turn. It is in contact with exposed flesh. It seeps through small cracks easily. Then we have black or gray pudding, another member of the cleanup crew, and a nuisance monster. Black puddings are not affected by cold. It is spread into smaller ones by chops or lightning bolts, but is killed by fire. Black puddings dissolve wood, corrode metal at a reasonably fast rate and have no effect on stone, and cause three dice of damage to exposed flesh. If an armored character runs through a black pudding, the monster's corrosive power will eat away the foot and leg protection of the armor so that it will fall away next turn. Black puddings can pass through fairly small openings, and they can travel easily on ceilings and on floors. Now, what's here is odd that we have these creatures determined or um, determined designated as the cleanup crew i have no idea where this comes in but i don't know and then we're going to go into green slime a non-mobile hazard green slime can be killed by fire or cold but is not affected by lightning bolts or striking by weapons it eats away at wood and metal but not stone green slime sticks to flesh and penetrates it in one turn, thereafter turning the flesh into green slime. Green slime cannot be scraped off, so when it is in contact with something, that it must be discarded or excised in some way. A cure disease spell will also serve to kill and remove green slime, even when it comes into contact with flesh. I think that's changed. Because right now it's like, oh, okay, stick your hand in the green slime, your arm's now green slime. Gray ooze. Even though we had uh, 
in the previous page, we had black or gray pudding, but now we have gray ooze. So, a seeping horror which closely resembles whetstone and is thus difficult to detect. It will not be spread by harmful weapons. It will not be. It will not be spread by non-harmful weapons. What is a non-harmful weapon? But it is sub subject only to lightning bolts or cuts and chops by weaponry. For it is impervious to cold and fire. It does not harm wood or stone, but it corrodes metal at the same rate as a black pudding does. It does two dice of damage to exposed flesh. What I don't understand here is it will not be spread by non-harmful weapons, but is subject to lightning bolts and cuts and chops by weaponry. I have no idea what that means. Then yellow mold, a deadly underground fungus which can be exterminated only by fire. It attacks woods and flesh, doing one die of damage if it contacts exposed skin, but does no harm to metal or stone. However, its worst threat is its spores. Rough contact with yellow will have a 50% chance of causing it to break and send forth clouds of asphyxiating spores. Any creature within the spore cloud must make a saving throw as if they had been exposed to poison, and failure to make the sa saving throw results in death for the party's concern. Save or die, bitches! Now, you figure yellow mold would be at the at the end. Well, it kind of is at the end, but what I still haven't figured out is there is no, not much rhyme nor reason to the order in which the monsters are kind of, they're kind of grouped by type, but still it kind of like bounces back and forth, and there's some really weird sentences there. So that is it for this week for readings from the Little Brown Books. And next week, it means we finish up on monsters. Yay! How long can I do this whole thing until I run out of Little Brown Books? That's how long. All right, if you're still listening, this is the part where I usually sign off, but not this week. I'm going to rant on a little more because why? Well, like I said, there's changes coming along. It's both on the blog and here on the podcast as you saw with some minor tweaks today. And with my, if I had been a little more attentive and remembered what I wanted to talk about, it would have been a much more interesting episode. So I thank you very much for listening. There's plenty of stuff that's going to happen on the blog, and, well, I think I'm in the gaming sphere, because there's some neat stuff coming up for Swords and Wizardry, but I don't know if I can talk about it yet. So stay tuned, keep your ear to the ground on that. And I think I'm going to start writing a lot more Swords and Wizardry stuff. I've strayed away from it, even though I've got a very much fondness of that game. So, as if you follow the blog, as if you follow the blog, you should follow the blog, you should follow the podcast, you should, you, you should, anyway. But, yeah, I've been working on this crazy city, which I might do for Swords and Wizardry, I don't know. But, anyway, I would like to say, before I ramble on anymore, thank you for listening, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, have fun, and stay tuned and hang on, because stuff's changing, kids. Hopefully for the better.